Welcome to Jerusalem Studio Podcast. Join us to discuss the latest updates from Israel and the region. Shalom and welcome to Jerusalem Studio. The seventh round of indirect talks between the United States and Iran opened in Vienna earlier this week. And while the fact that the parties have engaged after a five-month hiatus is perceived as positive, the substance and tenor are not yet showing any promise. The Iranians are trying to maximize their narrated position as the aggrieved party due to the Trump administration's withdrawal from the 2015 nuclear deal and his imposition of sanctions on the Islamic Republic of Iran. The Iranian tactic is to go on the offensive and deal first with what Washington has to do before Tehran shows its own cards. That is, American guarantees that all sanctions are lifted and no future administration could emulate President Trump should precede the unveiling of Iran's draft concessions. If that is the outline, how is the Vienna round projected to proceed? And can the United States count on the other parties to the deal backing them? To analyze it, we are joined from Washington, D.C. by Dr. Oli Heinonen, who is the former International Atomic Energy Agency Deputy Director General and a Senior Fellow at the Stimson Center at Washington, D.C. Thank you for joining us, sir. Also joining us from Berlin, Germany, is Ambassador Shimon Stein, who is a former Israeli ambassador to Germany and Senior Fellow at the Institute for National Security Studies at Tel Aviv University. Thank you for joining us as well, sir. Thank you. And with me in the studio is our TV7 editor-at-large and host of Watchmen Talk in Paris and Play, Mr. Amir Oren. Amir, give us a broader understanding on the latest developments that have taken place now in Vienna, but also the repercussions thereof around the world. So earlier this week, um, there were two announcements, um, ostensibly uh, separate, but um, in effect quite uh, connected by the Biden administration. The first one had to do with the so-called global posture review of American forces around the world. And in this document, which uh, was briefed uh, to Pentagon correspondents, um, the uh, main emphasis was on the pivot to East Asia. Uh, actually to China and its uh, environs, and the withdrawal from the Middle East, which means that there is no credible military threat right now from the United States vis-a-vis Iran. The second announcement, uh, which was um, a policy statement by the State Department, was that uh, what is happening in Vienna has to do with the mutual return to the JCPOA or the mutual interest in reviving uh, the uh, 2015 nuclear deal, and that this is in the American national interest. Also, diplomacy first, that uh, the Americans do not want to resort to force, but uh, only as um, a last resort. If we um, add it all up, we see that in Vienna, One party's product is the other party's price. The Iranians came in for um, lifting the sanctions and for uh, some of their national dignity uh, being returned by the Americans admitting that they 
namely the Trump administration, were wrong in um, abrogating the, uh, the deal or withdrawing uh, from it. The Americans, of course, want to stop the Iranian race or at least walk towards the uh, nuclear bomb. Now, there is a mutual interest in getting a deal, but it is too early to see when and how this will be achieved. Dr. Heinonen, how do you perceive the latest developments yourself? Uh, thank you. I think I see there are three different visions for this negotiations. First, Iran just wants to go back to the JCPOA as it was exactly and the price will be lifting all the sanctions which are imposed to Iran and provide assurances, as you said, that no future sanctions will be imposed. That is quite a uh, request at, when you at the same time don't indicate that you want also to talk about the nuclear issues. And Iran has painted this entirely as a uh, negotiations for removal of sanctions. Then you have the other vision, which is the pretty much uh, China and Russia, they concur with uh, Iran that one should just go back to the JCPOA and implement that. And then is a little bit difference between EU and the US. They have not defined so well what they want. Certainly they want to go back to the JCPOA, but whether they want to have more, they have not explicitly expressed it. And what would be the more? The more would be certainly the current status of Iran's nuclear program. Iran is a nuclear weapon threshold state with the capability to break down with the current stocks of uh, nuclear material and current stocks of centrifuges in one month's time to produce enough material for one single nuclear weapon. But they have not really emphasized in talks much about it at this stage. Maybe they keep it to, to the pocket uh, and see how they get finally to the negotiating table. What was also disturbing to me a little bit is that they had already talked quite a length during the springtime about this uh, nuclear provisions. Now it looks like that Iran puts that one aside and says, oh, this we're talking uh, in a previous round, but now we start from the clean table. Indeed. Ambassador Stein, your take on the latest? Well, uh, uh, after uh, Amir and uh, Oli Heinonen had, uh, had given their assessment, uh, I uh, pretty much uh, tend to agree. Uh, listen, uh, this administration uh, came uh, into office uh, making it abundantly clear that they are desperate to get that subject from their agenda. The Biden administration uh, is not overwhelmed with the domestic agenda, but uh, they are now uh, uh, in a different mode, and that is addressing first and foremost the China challenge and also to a certain degree uh, Russia. So for, for them, Iraq is a, uh, Iran is a headache. And I guess uh, uh, President Biden had made it abundantly clear that they would like to return uh, to the uh, 2015 JCPOA as a first step. And as a second one, then uh, trying to enter into negotiations with the Iranians about a longer and stronger agreement. 
so that is uh, the declared position of uh, the U.S. Uh, as to the uh, as to the return to the JCPOA, I feel that uh, that's a non-starter because we are no longer there, and I don't see the Iranians walking back on the uh, enrichment, on the uh, new uh, centrifuge, on the R&D. So saying that we would like to get back to the original JCPOA is missing at this stage uh, the point. And secondly, as to the second goal of the administration to move once uh, an agreement has been reached on the return to whatever JCPOA, the stronger and longer is not in the Iranian cards. The Iranians are not interested at this stage. So altogether, if you ask me to give uh, Marx, I think that uh, unfortunately the U.S. administration is in a mode that they are dying to have something in order to get uh, that subject of the agenda. The Iranians, who are pretty clever and understand exactly, are, uh, are playing for time and are playing it uh, wonderfully, I would say. I give them high regards in the way that they have uh, been pursuing their goals so far. Indeed, uh, saying one thing in Persian, another in English. But Mr. Olin, I'd like to touch on, on a point that you made. You spoke about the CMT, the credible military threat that the United States does not project at this stage, at least to the uh, Islamic Republic of Iran. But if we look at a sequence that occurred in this past week, we saw on Monday, Defense Minister Benny Gantz coming out in the signing ceremony of the new intelligence headquarters that is uh, due to uh, be constructed in Israel's southern Negev region, saying that Israel is currently, Israeli teams are currently uh, relaying intelligence information to different countries relevant to the nuclear talks uh, in Vienna regarding specific steps that Iran is currently taking, which uh, later were uh, identified as steps that are technically to uh, facilitate Tehran's capacity to uh, make that leap from 60% to 90% of enriched uranium, of course, being the level necessary to produce nuclear weapons. Something that triggered suddenly in, uh, in the interview that the U.S. Uh, envoy to the negotiations in uh, uh, Vienna said in an interview to the BBC uh, that uh, Robert Malley, of course, that the uh, uh, Iranians should be wary that if they are indeed acting in a uh, counterproductive manner and stalling this uh, process just in order to either leverage or uh, put themselves in a different position on their nuclear program, the United States will be forced to take alternative uh, measures. And then I go to another interview that was given by the U.S. Cent uh, Central Command Commander, General uh, McKenzie, who noted in an interview to Time magazine that the United States does have the capacity to uh, thwart Iran's nuclear progress. And uh, the moment the, the green light will be given, they will act accordingly. How do you interpret those different steps and statements that were made over the past week? Well, one has to be impressed and even terrified by these statements. But in all seriousness, these are third-level officials. This is not President Biden. This is not even Secretary Blinken. To give uh, Mr. Malley or General McKenzie or the State Department uh, spokesperson uh, too much 
credit for expressing American policy if it, this is supposed to deter the Iranians or to throw the fear of Allah into them. This is uh, too much. Now, Benny Gantz and other Israeli leaders, too, are going through the motions. And in this case, they're also going through the emotions. Because it's a domestic political issue in Israel, the uh, so-called threat of reference in Israel or for the Bennett government is Benjamin Netanyahu. They cannot be uh, any less militant vis-a-vis -vis Iran than Netanyahu for fear of being condemned as soft on Iran. But as uh, Shimon Stein just mentioned, for the Americans, this is not a major threat. It's a nuisance, a headache, as uh, he put it. Even though on the 26th of November, there was a uh, meeting between the Iranian foreign minister, Amir Abdullahian, and uh, the Chinese uh, state uh, counselor or, or uh, foreign minister, Wang Yi, and uh, according to uh, various reports, they have communicated uh, together and deliberated an aligned position with regard to the nuclear talks in Vienna. Yes, because what is happening in Vienna is not the negotiation itself. It's talking about the talk. It's what are the terms of reference for the renewed negotiation. Now, obviously, they are not going to build the draft agreement from the bottom up. There will be something which was probably already um, arrived at, reached uh, in uh, some secret channel. They are not going to start from scratch. But nevertheless, they are going through the motions. Indeed. Dr. Heinonen, I'd like to ask you, is this actually a negotiation between Russia, China, Iran versus uh, the United States Europe, and the European, the E3, uh, maybe the, the Britain, uh, uh, the, uh, the United Kingdom, sorry, France and uh, Germany? Or is there here some other sequence that is not entirely explanatory at this stage, which is happening uh, at a time when a credible threat from Iran is being projected towards all Western partners and allies uh, who are seriously concerned about the consequences of those deliberations happening in Austria. I think that we, we have here different views between those parties of the JCPOA, how to proceed, what is important. I see that uh, Russia and China, they just want to kick the can cans down the road, get back to the JCPOA and perhaps worry then and take the heat off. Then UK might be somewhat different from the rest of the Europe, uh, at least when I look, you know, the result of the visits of your minister the other day to London might be closer to some people here in the US. So it's a hard to say where we go at this point of time. So I think that let's wait two, three days, perhaps a week, and then these things start to surface. That's the only thing I think that we can say at this point of time. And then Iran wants to maintain that pressure. So we have heard also some other harsh statements like, you know, uh, removal of Zionism and these sort of things coming from high level military people or playing a little bit with this nuclear dossier and trying to confuse the people by saying that actually we had already some agreements. 
between, for example, Mr. Grossi, we suggested two uh, concessions from the IAEA in return of uh, access to somewhere. At least I read it from the Iranian press. So there are many movements at the same time, and I think it's better for us to take a couple of steps back and look, you know, how this proceeds in the next few days. Indeed, Ambassador Stein. Well, uh, as I as I said in my opening remarks, I think that the Iranians uh, know what they want and know how to play, are looking at the scene and asking themselves whether they uh, have to make any meaningful uh, concessions, and I don't see that happening. They came uh, to Vienna, articulate uh, quite uh, clear-cut positions, uh, uh, putting the United States in a humiliating position, uh, asking the United States uh, to remove all sanctions and to make sure that no future administration will walk away from uh, from the uh, JCPOA or whatever agreements. I mean, those are conditions that uh, any serious and respected administration cannot fulfill. So I guess we know what the Iranians' intentions are. And unfortunately, so far, they have encroached and violated the JCPOA, have moved forward uh, in a way that uh, Mr. Grossi has said only countries that have uh, intentions to produce nuclear weapons are enriching to the level of 60%. Uh, they know how to play their game. Uh, and uh, I think that uh, um, as long as the United States is not uh, articulating a clear policy that has a deterrent impact on Iran, uh, that will make Iran think twice, I don't think that uh, something uh, meaningful uh, is going to come out, uh, and we might end up in uh, at least uh, one of two scenarios. One that uh, will be a muddling through with no uh, with no agreement uh, at the end, as uh, the uh, Russian ambassador said, uh, there has to be an end to, to those discussion, negotiations, uh, consultation, whatever you want to call it. So either a muddling through because the parties were unable to reach an understanding or what is now mentioned, uh, not for the first time, a kind of a less for less, which means the U.S. will uh, release certain of the sanctions and the Iranian will, will be willing uh, to also take some steps. But at the end of the day, I guess uh, we are also just, just uh, to finish uh, now there's a lot of talk uh, about whether Iran have already reached the status of a threshold or not. For me, we are now focusing too much on the enrichment aspect because we know that they are able and capable of enriching. It's only a matter of time. Uh, secondly, I think that we should uh, focus on the uh, explosive device and all the uh, delivery system. Those are the two other components that are essential, and we don't know much in that. So focusing only on something that that, that is already a given, I think it's a mistake. 
Indeed. Uh, of course, we're talking about uh, the re-entry vehicle also and, and many aspects that are uh, not necessarily currently uh, in Iranian uh, capabilities or capacity to uh, to um, currently execute, but they do have the tools and the preliminary know-how on how to develop that with necessary testing. They could try also without testing, which would bring about uh, plenty of other disasters. But I, I'd like to ask you, Mr. Olin, when we're speaking now about the sanctions, what sanctions are they? The Trump administration quite astute, uh, astutely separated between nuclear-related sanctions and terror-related sanctions, designating the RGC as a terror entity within uh, the blacklist of terror entities, rather than attaching that to the nuclear uh, related uh, issues, and then basically putting the Biden administration in a precarious position of being able to actually deal with Iran. So how does the United States at this stage, also from a legal perspective, deal with the demands of Iran, uh, which obviously is demanding a removal of all sanctions? Well, what the uh, uh, Biden administration has been saying is that let's get back to the uh, JCPOA. And when we are speaking with the Iranians on the nuclear file, this would be a good opportunity, a good launching pad to deal with all the other issues. That is their so-called malign activities in the Middle East, and in return, the removal of the sanctions which pertain to these activities. This is the American position, of course. The Iranians do not agree with it. But you mentioned... Not only don't agree, but they also said, we're not going to discuss anything else. We're going to focus on this and take it or leave it. Yes, well, we, we'll see uh, whether anyone blinks. I don't mean blinken, but whether any party here blinks, uh, whether they find a creative uh, formula. But you mentioned the legal aspect, and it is important. The Iranians have been very careful not to make a decision by their highest authorities to produce nuclear weapons. And that is because short of such a decision, whatever they do, including uh, feasibility studies, um, uh, system analysis, simulation, what have you, do not constitute um, a casus belli which the Americans can use and still honor their commitments to the non-proliferation treaty. Nuclear powers under the NPT, the five declared nuclear powers, cannot attack a non-weapon state if they don't have um, a legitimate basis. And the Iranians have been very prudent not to provide it. It doesn't commit Israel. Israel is not part of the NPT regime. But for the United States, for the world's uh, biggest nuclear power to preempt Iran before it can produce evidence that the Iranians have been not only considering uh, the nuclear weapon track, but actually going at it. The Biden administration is not going to do it. Obviously, after the uh, Bush administration and its failure to show that their intelligence before the Iraq invasion was correct. Indeed. Well, we're drawing near to the end of the program. There are about three uh, and a half minutes before the end. So I'd like to give each and every one of you the opportunity to have a closing remark and analysis, if you will, on uh, what we may uh, have to focus on up ahead. Dr. Heinonen, we'll start with you. Thank you. I think that we need to 
move the focus away, as uh, Ambassador Stein said, from the uranium enrichment and start to look at how far they have come with the other aspects of uh, nuclear weaponization. And I give very simple example. People say, particularly the Russians, oh, this is old stuff, 2003, why to bother? But 2003-2004, important decision was made in the Ahmad project. They continued the development and the construction of a Fordo nuclear enrichment plant. Enrichment plant which was designed solely to produce high-enriched uranium. So they have continued these activities which uh, people say that uh, they don't do. So therefore, we better look what is happening with the missile part of the equation. Indeed. Ambassador Stein? Well, uh, I think that the uh, Americans' posture about all options are on the table do not seem to be uh, credible for the Iranians. I think that uh, I do not expect the Iranians to uh, change their posture. They will continue and so far they have been successful. If there will be any change, it has to come from the U.S. side. The U.S. has to decide how long uh, are they going to uh, continue along uh, that ineffective way. I am a bit uh, pessimistic that all options are indeed on the table for the U.S. administration. So uh, at the end of the day, the one who will face the grim reality will be the region, uh, first and foremost, and uh, Israel, of course, who unfortunately uh, will have to uh, uh, bear the consequences of uh, uh, the U.S. Uh, uh, policy, given the Iranian determination uh, to uh, reach the point where it is only uh, a political decision that is away from their decision whether to uh, go all the way or to stay at the uh, threshold state, which I feel is much more comfortable, convenient and less problematic for them. Indeed. Well, uh, obviously, uh, we don't have very much time. So, Amir, if you will also, Israel's credible military threat, to what degree is there political will in Israel, considering the lack of political will in the United States? And, of course, many people are speaking about an analogy between the withdrawal from Afghanistan and uh, the way it was later perceived regarding the United States and the perception of weakness uh, uh, derivative from there to this topic? There are two precedents, the Iraqi nuclear reactor 1981 and the North Korean Syrian one 2007. In the first one, Israel surprised the Reagan administration and was sanctioned, including an embargo on its planes. In the second one, Olmert coordinated with Bush was given a green light. The Israeli prime minister will try to surprise the American president at his peril. Well, that's all the time that we have for today. So I'd like to thank Dr. Oli Heinonen, Ambassador Stein, and Mr. Owen for being part of today's panel. And I'd like to thank our viewers as well. And we will see you next time. Thank you for joining us in another Jerusalem Studio podcast. For more content on Israel and its region, we invite you to visit our website at tv7israelnews.com and follow us on social media.